the gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Amos, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know of the, th know of the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And now our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets that all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. There is a lot of research going on right now, Brene Brown and other researchers at the University of Chicago, that has to do with what many are calling a crisis of loneliness in our culture. More and more people all the time say they are lonely. 
It's manifesting itself by us being more medicated, more distant, more disconnected from one another than maybe ever before. It's a problem because research shows that we are neurobiologically hardwired to find ways to belong to each other. It's what sets us apart from other creatures. We can band together, form groups for a purpose like betterment or protection. Part of what makes us human is our need to belong to each other and to something bigger than ourselves. We're so hardwired to belong, in fact, that we'll sacrifice ourselves in the name of belonging. And this, too, causes us so much loneliness. I'm wondering if any of you have ever gone to a party or another social situation, maybe even come here, talked to people, and if people looked at you, they would have thought you were having a good time and doing well, but when you got home, you realized, that wasn't me at all. There isn't much of a lonelier feeling than that. Being in a crowd where no one knows you, you don't feel you can tell people what you really think, what you really feel, who you really are for fear they'll leave because they don't like it. I'm wondering if that's what Cleopas and his friend were experiencing when they were walking down the road. They're leaving Jerusalem and the rest of the disciples. They had heard Jesus wasn't in the tomb when the women went there Easter morning, but they just don't believe it, so they're going home. A man joins them, and they say what are some of the most desperate, sad, lonely, and true words of the whole Bible. Jesus had done all these things, but we had hoped he would be the one who would redeem us. They had put everything into this Jesus. They'd followed him for three years. They hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel, to defeat Rome, to bring peace, but he had just died. Yeah, maybe he was alive now, but Rome was still in charge and things didn't look any different from their end. Can you relate to that hopelessness? Things we have hoped for that didn't happen? We had hoped the cancer wouldn't return. We had hoped to be able to reconcile with our family. We had hoped. Their fear and their hopelessness had driven them away, but our deepest need as humans is to know we're connected to each other by something greater than ourselves. Did Cleopas and his friend feel like that connection was gone? Did they not feel they belonged anymore? We had hoped we'd found our group. We had hoped Jesus was a strong king. We had hoped for so many things. Well, the man who they don't yet know is Jesus walks and talks with them. He teaches them what the Bible says about the Messiah, that it won't be someone who's powerful and comes in and takes over. No, the true Messiah will be vulnerable. He will suffer he will die, and then he will rise. Now get this about the crisis of loneliness in our culture. There is a seemingly absurd paradox that is totally true according to research, and that is that the way to not be lonely 
is to be able to be vulnerable with each other. But many, if not most all of us, have forgotten how to be vulnerable, I think. I remember when I first had kids, I was kind of amazed at the competitive mom culture. How fast can you potty train? How long can you breastfeed? How smart, strong, or athletic are your kids at 18 months? It wasn't until I found a mom's group where the moms admitted to each other how hard being a mom was, how tired we were, how our kids still weren't potty trained or they watched way too much TV or whatever it was we were worried about. When I finally found a group where I could be vulnerable, that's when I stopped being so lonely as a new mom. And yet, for most of us, this is the hardest thing. We're taught to be strong, not vulnerable, right? We can't imagine going to a party and not feeling we have to pretend we're someone we're not. We can't imagine being able to share our dashed hopes. We can't imagine being that vulnerable with each other. Well, Cleopas and his friend get home and they invite the man to stay. It was evening, the roads were dangerous, and being hospitable was a commandment for Jews, so they invited him to stay the night with them. And when he took bread, broke it, gave thanks, and gave it to them, their eyes were opened and they saw it had been Jesus with them all along. A vulnerable Messiah walking with them? How did they not see it? When Brene Brown interviewed Navy SEALs, NFL players, and special forces about being brave, every single one of them said, there is no act of bravery that does not require you to be completely vulnerable. Let me say that again. There is no act of bravery that does not require you to be completely vulnerable vulnerable. But our problem is we get so stuck on either or. We think we have to be either brave or scared, tough or tender, full of grit or full of grace, but it is not an either or for anyone. It's a both and. We are both brave and afraid, tough and tender, gritty and graceful, saint and sinner, all at the same time, all the time. And I wonder if when Jesus broke the bread <clears throat> and that was how they knew him, if it was because that was when they could see his body was broken and alive, that he had suffered and conquered. They ran away because they were afraid, but they could still be brave. One of the reasons most scholars think Luke tells this story of the road to Emmaus is for people like us, the disciples of Jesus who would come years later, who wouldn't have seen Jesus, who wouldn't necessarily know where to look. And it's really cool because the way he tells the story exactly follows the outline of what happens in worship. Starting way back then and continuing now, and the story even happens on a Sunday. First, they're vulnerable. 
they confess. They share their dashed hopes and dreams. They're running away in fear, and then they hear the word. They hear stories from the Bible and what they mean for their lives. You're leaving because you're afraid? You think God came to be strong and kick butt? It's not about that. It's about being strong and vulnerable, blessed and broken. In fact, your God in the person of Jesus became vulnerable for you. And through that came your salvation. And then they share a meal and their eyes are opened. When we receive communion, it too is the high point of the service. In communion, it all comes together. When you come forward with everyone beside you, before you, behind you, and you hold out your hands and hear the word, this is Jesus and Jesus is for you. Remember how I said true belonging is the deeply held truth that we're connected to each other by something greater than us? That's what happens in communion. We're connected to Jesus when we receive his body, and we're connected to each other as we become his body. Did you catch what Cleopas and his friend did after they saw Jesus and he disappeared? They ran back to Jerusalem. Even though it was still nighttime, Still scary and the roads were still dangerous and they were still scared. Now they were also brave. And they just had to share what they had seen. Just like our worship ends with you being sent out to your mission field. Even if you're still lonely or scared or kind of non-committal about it all. Another researcher in Germany has studied the places where people actually do find belonging. And one thing he studied is what he calls the voodoo magic of churches. I don't know if he understands it. But he says somehow belonging happens when we have collective experiences of joy and pain. When we hold hands with strangers and come together in shared emotion. Meeting in joy and pain, Brene Brown shared a couple stories about those. She says when Hurricane Harvey hit in Houston and all but four houses in her neighborhood were destroyed, there were 400 Cajuns from New Orleans who came up in their fishing boats to help rescue them. And she said, you know what? Not one person asked me who I voted for in 2016. She says, if you walk through the world looking for confirmation that you don't belong, you will always find it. Here, there was just help being offered by others who knew that in crisis, we're all together and we're all the same. Isn't that what motivates us to help as a church as well? She also told a hilarious story about meeting others and joining together in joy. She said when the Astros were playing the Yankees to make it to the World Series and they were down to the last out and she was so nervous, she put her hand in her husband's back pocket and squeezed. And the man said, uh, are you looking for your husband because he's over there? <laughs> but he said, it's okay, we're all excited for the Astros. When Luke shows this vision of the church, it is a beautiful thing. 
It's people sharing their fear and their joy, their hopes and their hopelessness, and the voodoo magic that happens in church happens when we come together and say we need something bigger than ourselves to belong to. And we worship a God who was vulnerable for us so that we could be vulnerable with each other, even just a little bit. We have to be. It's how we were made to be. Okay, so those pictures you looked at on the front cover of your bulletin. I'm going to ask you to be just a little vulnerable with the person next to you. I want you to turn to each other and take just a minute or two. I'm not going to give you very long, but share which picture, which of those three resonated with you and why. So as you heard this story, this sermon, which of those three pictures was it that kind of resonated the most with you and why? Just for a minute or so, share with your neighbor. All right, I'll give you about 30 seconds. Wrap it up. <laughs> Maybe this will spark further thoughts and conversations, and I thank you for doing that, truly. Because on that road 2,000 years ago, Jesus met two scared and hopeless people and taught them that they could be both scared and brave. He led them through worship, and they came out on the other side closer to him and ready to share him with others. Let that be what happens today for you, too. Blessed and broken children of God that we all are. In Jesus' name, amen.